Last Sunday, we read a word of God that reminded us that there are times that God would speak through us. Speak through us to the world around us. Speak to, through us to whom God directed us to speak a word of truth, a word about integrity, uh, civility, and humility in positions of leadership in the world around us, positions local to national. This morning, we will read a word from God that speaks to us, to us about being together in order to be useful to God in reaching the world around us that he loves. Our sermon text will be the first letter to the church in Corinth, uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 20, and verse 27. But Paul introduces this description of who we are, beginning in the first verse of that chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians. He begins in that first verse with these words. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Spiritual gifts are simply God's gifts to us. He goes on in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 to say, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Notice here that Paul has experienced God working in a trinity. Spirit, Lord, and God. Notice also that the gifts of God are given to each member of the church in Corinth and to each member of the church of Christ everywhere that they gather. Notice also that the gifts of God to each person are for the common good of everyone. The common good of all of us is what Paul turns to in verse 12. But before we read those verses, which are technically our scripture for this morning, would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful that you have made yourself known through history. We thank you that you have spoken, that you have caused what you have spoken to be remembered, to be passed on by faithful servants writing in one language to another. We thank you for the, uh, the easily access, accessibility that we have to your word in each of our homes. Uh, we thank you that uh, you are the one who can help us understand what you have spoken to us. So we do not read what you have 
uh, said to us through your servants without asking you to um, help us understand it and help us apply it in each of our lives. We ask that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So let us read our sermon text officially for, for this morning. It begins in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would make it any less a part of the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. Verse 21 says, and then followed by verse 27, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. God has made some amazing bodies in the universe. I'm going beyond this room. You know, I just want you to know that we're, we're a start further afield. There's amazing bodies here too. God has made amazing bodies in the universe. Um, there are billions of bodies in space. This is our galaxy. Um, and um, there are galaxies, stars, planets, spinning, orbiting, burning, frozen, silent, explosive, emitting, emitting waves invisible to us. But they are all lifeless. They're all lifeless as far as we know. <laughs> but those are not the kind of body that we are like in Christ. I put up now a photo of another of the bodies in the universe the one on which we dwell. Um, a beautiful, uh, unique body in space with beautiful colors, uh, tremendous variety. There's something different about this planet that w upon which we dwell. 
There are amazing bodies even on this one planet to go on with Paul's analogy. There are bodies that are in the plant world and bodies that are in the animal kingdom. This is a photo of one of the largest bodies in the plant world, the giant redwoods, which rise to 300 and 400 feet in height and live for hundreds and hundreds of years. That's not the body that Paul was referring to. The bodies that belong in the plant world have motion, but they are largely immobile. They do not travel from place to place. They do not minister to themselves and tend themselves. They are one form of life, but God has more. Next, I put up one of the largest bodies of animal in the animal world on this planet, the great blue whale. Uh, largest thing living uh, uh, in the animal kingdom uh, and something that we love to study. That's not the body that Paul was referring to. Here's a photo of one of the tiniest little bodies that God made. It looks big there, but that is a blade of grass. A ladybug, one of our friends for those who are gardeners. That's not the body Jesus, uh, Paul was speaking of either. Another great body that we can sometimes see in up close and personal is this great African elephant. A body that also has a brain that seems to be um, further developed, having some traits of life that are similar to ours. Still, that's not the particular body that Paul was speaking of. The next is a beautiful, tiny body that is so delicate and fragile That is a wonderful shot. Um, I'm, uh, if you'd like to see some more, uh, invite Frank Poisky over for a cup of coffee or lunch and tell him to bring some of his best shots of butterflies. The next photo is the body that Paul was referring to. And I chose this, this, this picture because uh, I have a couple of hundred photos on my computer of pictures I've used in sermons and Sunday school lessons. I've got pictures of queens and brides and runners and acrobats and Roman soldiers and apostles and all sorts of pictures of people. But I chose this one to represent the human body, because the human body is so marvelous. It is able to do so much more in terms of communication, in speech, in writing, in reading, and communicating fully, fantastically with one another. 
beyond even the communication that species in the animal kingdom are able to provide to one another. They're so rudimentary compared to the, to the speech, the knowledge, the language, and the relationships that are enabled by that to the human being. It is this body that Paul is referring to in saying that there are many members in, a, in the body and none of those different members, hands, feet, eyes, ears, should say that they do not matter. Um, even if they are uh, not heard from, uh, are silent, they all matter in different functions. You've heard this before. Hopefully you've studied this a little bit before. It seemed timely to this morning to bring this up again, that we are all members of the body of Christ and we are all here for the common good. We have been given gifts and functions that are different from each other and shared with one another, some of them, but they're all for the common good. Um, God gives us gifts that fall into four kinds. When uh, Paul uses this analogy of the body and we are members, he writes that in three of his letters, the two largest letters being Romans in the 12th chapter to the Corinthians in the 12th chapter also of his first letter to the Corinthians and also to the Ephesian church. So to three different churches in the first century, as he wrote a letter to them, he brought this analogy up to them again and again. And in each of those, he uh, cites some different gifts that we, that, we all ha that we have. Some of us have one, some of us have another. We have different combinations. By looking at the three gift lists that Paul provides, we see that there are multiple gifts. He has not named all of the gifts. He names gifts like preaching and teaching. He, gives, he names gifts such as the gift of languages and interpreting languages. He gives, the, he gives the example of the gift of healing. But he also gives examples of the gift of faith, the gift of love, our gifts that God gives us. As you look at those lists, I suggest that you consider the four ways that Jesus says that we are to love God. They are to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. So God gives us gifts of the heart. I think number one in that is the gift of love. We might think that that just happens or we struggle with it. Actually, it is a gift from God. For when God gives himself, he gives us his love that produces love in us for him, for others, and for ourselves. God is the source of love. It is a gift from him. It is the major gift under the category 
of loving him with all of our hearts and loving one another as we love ourselves. That's a gift from God. It's something we can ask for to grow in us. It's something we can say, admit, I don't think I have that very well yet. I'm very narrow in my love. I'm limited in my scope. It is something to get close to God about. The gift of faith is a gift of the heart. It is the foundation gift for beginning a relationship with God. Trust, faith, it goes on beyond the beginning and it is produced and exhibited throughout our lifetime. It is a gift that grows like all of the gifts are supposed to grow in us. As I look around the congregation and as I prepared this, I, I thought, shall I name names? <laughs> and I said, well, you better not, Harry. But I do. I love, I love to think through this congregation and think of people who exhi- exhibit outwardly and uh, fully love for others. I think of some in our congregation who exhibit a very uh, strong faith. I I noticed that during the pandemic. I saw people uh, participate in worship uh, in faith, even though they were in the extreme category of vulnerability. There was faith, but God also gives the gift of courage. God gives us uh, minds to have the a gift of caution, but along with caution, God gives us the gift of courage. And I saw individuals in this congregation week after week exhibiting that. I, 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 as I looked through these gifts, I thought of you, all of you, in different ways. Um, the gift of our minds. Paul lists um, the gift of knowledge to the Corinthians. The gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. Two different things, aren't they? (laughs) It's what you do with the knowledge. Lots of people can have a gift of knowledge, can store a lot, can study a lot, can speak a lot about it. But do they have wisdom? That comes from God. That, That sorts out and provides order to knowledge. The gift of knowledge and the other gifts of our mind, the gift of memory, um, the gift of logic, so much with our mind. I mentioned having listened to a professor here in Houston named Nancy Percy. Uh, She teaches at Houston Baptist University, philosophy and apologetics. And she made the point I made in my weekly email that for most of us, it's really difficult to love God with our hearts and souls and strength if our minds aren't on board also. If we had to leave our mind at the door, our brain at the door, that's not the way it is. And Nancy is one of those great teachers who helps us understand that our mind can be satisfied with the truth as much as our hearts are with God. Paul uh, says other gifts uh, that fall to me under the category of our souls. The gift of compassion, 
the gift of healing. Uh, you can name others that come under the category of our souls. The gift of peace, the gift of joy, all gifts that come from God in the face of life that can be difficult and in turmoil and threatening, still to have the gift of peace and the gift of joy. That's in our souls. What about the gifts of our strength? To me, and I think to lots of people, that represents our physical being, literally our strength, our body. We love God with our presence, with coming together. We can say we love one another, and it's theoretical, but unless we engage with each other, unless we commit to each other, I'll be there for you. Unless we form relationships, which we learn more about each other and walk our stories together, uh, then we don't have the gift of presence. And that is loving God with our physical being. Our physical being, our strength, represents also our resources, uh, the rest of our gifts. Uh, our lives. We come together and we put our bodies together, we put our hearts together, we put our souls together, and we put our minds together. And God does something wonderful in a body when that happens. We have come through a very difficult time in the world with this pandemic virus. Um, Studious people are still writing articles about this aspect and that aspect. What has happened? Why people have quit jobs? Now people are starting to apply for jobs again. People are, people are going to stay home. They're not going to come back. To, they're never coming out again. <laughs> people are studying this pandemic, but the pandemic has struck at the very nature of the body of Christ. For the, body, the members of the body need to function together. And when we're cast apart, emails don't cut it. Zoom goes a little bit, and viewing things is a big help. But there's something more to loving God with our strength and our physical presence and our resources. I share all this uh, to, uh, to say that this is a good season of the year for us. Not only is the weather delightful like this, but fall is a time of renewal. You'd think spring would be, but for us who start school again, the year starts when school opens. Oh, it's the start of everything. No longer is January 1st the start. It's when school starts. Life starts again. So the fall is kind of a renewal time. It is for us as a church, too. It's a time when many of you have been able to come back and be together physically. And this is also a time that we plan for the future. And you have perhaps received a letter from uh, our beloved uh, brother and elder, Jim Thompson, who has talked to us about uh, making a, a, a commitment of ourselves together for the coming year. Will we be here? 
Are we going to be members in practice instead of just on a list? Uh, we're, we're looking to see that there are those on our membership list that we have not seen for a while. We've reached out and sometimes we don't hear back. But uh, the body of Christ is alive and well. You are the body of Christ. And this is a time when we uh, again recommit ourselves. We look at the resources God has given us, the gifts God has given us, and we, uh, we make renewed commitment to be what God has called us to be. Loving one another, serving one another, loving him and serving him, and loving the world as he does and serving the world as he does. Alone, individually, we don't have a chance. Together, as he has designed, we can be useful to him. And being a healthy body in Christ means that this body can tend to each of its parts well when each part needs individual attention. When this body is weak, all of its members are vulnerable. We need each other desperately. So I end with this final slide that I have up here. As verse 27 says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We need each other. We are important to this body. Those of you at home, just as much. We have lots of room to improve, really, on being a healthy body. Each of us has gifts to help each of us and all of us become a healthy body. And a healthy body can help each member be alive and well in Christ. May the Lord bless us and keep us. Amen.